Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Rundgren Radio. I will never, ever be able to listen to that song without thinking about the beginning of Akron. Everybody's standing up going wild. What a night. We're still talking about it. We will be for a long time, I think. But we're oh, going to start. <laughs> What's that? Oh, my God. I got chills when you started playing that. I did. Uh, isn't that something? Fantastic. Wow. Very Okay, nice. we're done with the show. We just said it all. <laughs> See you, people. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the shows in Akron, you can see them still on the webcast. They're going to extend that till the 30th of September. So you can see those shows and the Chicago shows. If you don't know the link, you can go to awatslive.com. I got them on there, as well as links to where we would like you to put your pictures, if you'd like, on our photo bucket pages for the first three gigs, as well as the Rungan Radio birthday bash party. We would appreciate you contributing to that for a permanent record place for everybody to go see what happened during that wonderful, it's not really a weekend because we had a Monday night gig, but, you know, we got to come up with a name for it. It was just an event. The event, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Very nice. All (laughs) right, so guess what? Tonight is Todd Runger night. We have him coming on the show. We're very excited about that, as usual, when he is on, and we'll be taking calls. Last time we weren't able to do that, Todd wasn't ready to talk about AWOTS because he was still trying to figure out what he was going to do, and... He figured it out. Yeah, he was percolating on it at the time. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, wow. All right, so we'll be talking about AWOTS and some other things, but we got some announcements, so we're going to try to see if Todd will call in here in the next three or four minutes, but you know how that goes. We'll see what's happening. So we're going to try to run through this quickly. If we miss something, we'll continue after he's gone and after Michelle's gone. She'll be calling in as well, and she's going to tell us about the costumes and some other things. But first up, we want to thank Roger Linder from trconnection.com for participating as a host for us last week. Uh, we decided at the last minute, both of us, Cruiser Mel and myself, went to Minnesota for the final AWOTS USA show. And let me tell you something, it was a good trip, and I'm glad I went because that was a great show and a beautiful theater. What do you think, Cruiser Mel? I, I agree. I had come home initially after Maryland, and I was kind of pouty-faced. It just didn't feel like... It was bookended right, and um, so I'm glad I went to Minnesota. I came home with a big smile on my face, so it was a great, great idea to make that last-minute, you know, ping airport or, or airfare or whatever it was. Yeah, it was great. Ding, yeah, Southwest, yeah, ding. good stuff. That was Rain a good time. Weather. We got to see some people. First time I met Weevil from TR Connection and got to see Lanny and some folks that didn't make Akron show. Minnesota. As I met Weevil, I said, Dot com. Dot com. That's our <laughs> boy Weevil. Excellent. So thanks a lot, Roger, for doing that. Bill Bricker filled in a little bit, too, with Roger and Mott. They went the whole two hours, so you can check it out in the archives if you like. We were reporting live from Minnesota. I listened to it and realized I was talking very fast because I was so excited, but it was a good time. Also, we've got right now, you definitely have to check this out, and I would appreciate if you would check it out during the show or after the show. 
because we want to show them the love from Ungren Radio, that we got some listeners that are interested in what we tell them. So check out livefromdarylshouse.com. If you've seen it or haven't seen it, go check it out tonight for me. It is an incredible show, Todd, with Daryl Hall at Daryl's house. They have a great band. The sound is terrific. The video is terrific. The song choices are terrific. You do not want to miss that if you're a Todd fan. Livefromdarylshouse.com. It is up until the 15th of October. Mm-hmm. Did you like it, Chris Jamel? Well, I think, you, I think actually, Doug, you can watch it at any time, but it's the featured show until the middle of October. Oh, they archive it. Very nice. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. But check it out tonight, please. At least for a little while. Yes, please. You will definitely love it. Okay, speaking of um, Todd singing, he's got some shows booked in October coming up soon, and uh, Mel's going to give us information on that, aren't you, Cruiser? Yes, sir, I am. And if I go too fast, you can always go to the TR Connection or to myspace.com slash Todd Rundgren for these tour dates. But I'm going to go real fast because we don't know when Todd's calling in. October 18th, Long Island, Bay Shore, New York. October 20th, Rochester, New York. You guys are getting them again. October 21st, Annapolis at the Rams Head. The 23rd, there's that special show with Hall & Oates and the Hooters at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. That's going to kick ass. On the 25th of October, he wraps up the last of the arena gigs in San Juan Capistrano, California. And then, of course, there's a couple of AWOTS gigs in February over in London and Amsterdam. So all we're waiting for is just to fill in those blanks in between, hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So we'll we'll get a little more information maybe about that Philly show. This is the last show at the Wachovia Spectrum, and they will be destroying it, I guess, tearing it down. Yep. If you yep. bought a VIP ticket, you get a brick. Woo. Wow. How about that? What about all the people that traveled? I guess they're going to have to mail bricks to people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Woo. I, I think we may have Mr. Runger on the line now. Todd, is that you? Jello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, what's up? Jaloha. Yeah, Aloha, Todd. How's it going? Great. We're Sounds like you're good. back in Hawaii. Yes, I am. Awesome. Very nice. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, hey, we appreciate you being on the course, and we're looking forward to talking to you about lots of things. And I, before we delve into the past, as you say, delve into the past, let's uh, talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about the upcoming shows that you have in October. They're calling them arena shows, so I would assume that's uh, going to be the case, similar to what we saw before with the arena. And uh, I was curious about the band, if, if that's going to be the same band. and um, Pretty much that. the same band, although where there may be one, possibly one personnel change, but I have no information on that yet. Okay. So I, you know, be open for the possibility that there will be a, a personnel change, but I haven't got the uh, particulars yet. Gotcha. Inevitable change. All right, so the Hall & Oates uh, Hooters show in Philly, is there a possibility we will see you on stage with Daryl like you were with the recent live from Daryl's house show we've been watching? Hall & Oates, uh, are we playing at Hooters? No, the Hooters <laughs> band. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a wild show. And Hall yeah, & Oates some chicken and yourself. Wings. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it hasn't, that hasn't been discussed yet. I mean, uh, it's always seems like a possibility yeah. since we are um, familiar with the material as it were but um, nobody has yet broached that subject so it, sometimes it's the kind of thing that just comes together in the last minute anyway you don't really think that much about it beforehand 
Yeah. Well, you guys have a very good rapport. Obviously, we all, a lot of us have watched the live from Daryl's house recently, and it, it seemed somewhat off the cuff. I mean, did you guys have all those songs planned out before? Um, well, the band rehearses the songs, but um, and some of them we have have performed before, but I would say the majority of them, this is uh, the first time that Daryl and I have played them and played them with this particular group of musicians. So the band actually, they get the list of songs and they rehearse them all before the show. But the show essentially... Mm, two takes maximum, sometimes three, but mostly one or two takes on every song. Wow. wow. It's a great band. The feedback has been great about the show. We, we really enjoyed it. I know everybody else I've talked to enjoyed it as well. So let's move into the, well, delve back into the past a little bit. I was curious about, with the AWOT shows, when you decided to have Utopia as the opening act, or Newtopia as a lot of us are calling them, and what factors led you to make that decision? Well, you know, first of all, we don't bill it as Utopia for obvious reasons. <laughs> we just It's a bunch of guys who used to be in Utopia playing Utopia songs, but it's not as if um, we're foisting this off as some kind of reunion. It was just convenient that we were all, um, that, that three of us were, um, were participating in what essentially was the meat of the show. And we needed an opening act of some kind because AWOTS is only about an hour. Um, so it probably so, somewhere in there when I was trying to figure out who would be the keyboard players, I probably had some subconscious calculus about the possibility, but it was never the primary goal in the lineup of the uh, of the AWOTS show. It wasn't the primary goal to you know get a quorum of Utopia into it. Um, Roger has played some of the material before, and I was also doing uh, a project in which Roger and I were potentially involved together with uh, Electronic Arts, a company that Roger works with now. So uh, it just seemed like a, a fun opportunity, and since it didn't go on forever, it w that Roger was able to do it without jeopardizing his um, primary employment. <laughs> so. It was, you know, a fortunate circumstance, and it gave us the opportunity to, you know, to play together and to also, I think, give the audience something that they wanted to see. But, again, I'm, I've never um, seen this as a utopia reunion. It's just us playing some of the songs that we remember or barely <laughs> remember, as the case may be. People loved it, that's for sure. Well, now that the USA, a Wizard of True Star tour is pretty much over, for now, what uh, are some of your overall thoughts about how it went? Well, it's um, it's a learning experience, you know. <laughs> and the thing is that it, by the time it gets through, you know, what was essentially seven shows, which is you know just a little over a week, you're just starting to figure out how everything is supposed to work. Like all of the costume changes that were so frantic at the beginning of the tour seemed to go by pretty quickly by the time we got to the end. So a lot of stuff is, um, and you know, and even the music, having only seven shows to play it in and six guys to potentially make a mistake. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, we never got to the point where everyone was so confident with all the music that um, that we could just, you know, get up there and play pretty much the, 
of the show the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> so it, with constant compensation all through it, the uh, the setups were a challenge. I mean, Akron was the least challenging in a way, but it was the first time we had ever put everything all together in one place, and it was pretty overwhelming. So we never really got to the point where it became easy. (laughs) There was always a great deal of challenge in in doing it. And uh, in retrospect, I think um, probably the best way to present this is to find some sort of, you know, regional centralized location and set it up and let it run for a week or something like that. Um, just much easier to get everything settled in and and uh, and everyone settled down to do their thing. But, you know, just the moving the show around was an ordeal as well. A lot of stuff, a lot of costumes, sure, but it came off very well. The, the, the uh, sound, of course, most people have said that it was spot on. I mean, I'm sure there's things here and there, but everybody really loved it and the costumes, and they were... We're trying to dissect what happened, what which ones you wore and why, you know that kind of thing. So it's been a lot of fun. Everybody really loved it that it went, and the webcast have been popular as well. Those came out really nice, and so everybody's looking forward to the DVD, I'm sure too. Yeah, well, it's you know the, this is the kind of thing where um, potential for failure is really huge. <laughs> so um, everyone was constantly you know wondering why I wasn't coming up with. Um, more information faster uh, about you know what all was supposed to happen in terms of the show, and I kept it as organized as I could. But there were things that were um, still undecided, still being um, created all the way up until the day of the first show. And even after that, the Monday afterwards was a day of just running around frantically trying to uh, get other things done that weren't quite finished for the, for the first show. So it was one of these things where there's never enough time, um, and it's almost kind of a good thing that you have a deadline and that you just say, okay, this is what we have, do the best we can with it, and then we'll make improvements afterwards. I think you got A pluses all the way around, at least from the diehard crowd that was there that very first uh first two gigs, that's for sure. Well the first night was of course was exciting for everybody. I knew that that the level of anticipation would make it harder to fail as long as the show was ambitious enough. <laughs> the biggest you know, I always said from the beginning that the worst way to present the music is just to stand there and play it. Mm-hmm. Um it's people have um their own kind of, you know, little storybook that goes along with it, and the presentation has to um, sort of recognize that and play to that. And in some ways, the theatrics of it, the transitions and and certain other elements kind of are more important than how well the music is played, in a sense. It's, it's more the intent than it is the... Uh, um, the exact execution, <laughs> and indeed from night to night, the execution varied um, in a lot of respects. So, uh, as I say, we never got to the point where we settled down and knew exactly how it was supposed to go every night. We had one challenge or another almost every single show. 
Yeah. Well, did you go through many incarnations uh, in your thinking about how you wanted to present a what live, or did it just just happened to you that you said, I want to use these old costume ideas from the past and change for every song or whatever. How'd that happen? Well, I was going back to the kind of presentations that we would have done at the time that AWOC came out. Even though parts of it were performed in various contexts, it was never performed in its entirety. And it would have, and it was going to be years before it actually settled into the um, the kind of pivotal and historic position that uh, most people now attribute to it. Uh, at the time that I first did it, it was considered just contrarian and anti-commercial and designed almost to cause me to fail. And at the same time, I was... I was just thinking in more theatrical terms. I wasn't the way the shows were presented was changing. You know, it wasn't just the four mop top lads anymore. It wasn't even just the Who with all of the arm flailing. Um, production was just starting to become a lot more serious, and the theatrical aspects of um, of shows were starting to become. Uh, attractive to audiences and to artists alike, and some artists were taking it to historical levels, like Pink Floyd. And uh, just within the, you know, within the material limitations that we had at the time, we tried to do a lot of that. I hired a costumer who, essentially, usually while I was on tour, I had something different to wear every other night, something brand new, and. Um, and so the costume element seemed to me to be sort of integral, and also that it made up for uh, other parts of the production that I probably just couldn't afford to do. You know, I can't afford to have giant inflatable floating pigs, or <laughs> as so many suggested, you know, wire work where I actually fly over the audience in the astronaut suit. <laughs> you know, that that alone, you know, is probably like five thousand dollars worth of uh, rigging and and special talent and and uh if I was hosting the uh the primetime Emmys, maybe that's something I could have gotten away with. But I got a lot of mileage out of the costumes I think and that was um you know part of the the formulation of the whole thing. That reality is that I had a bigger band, I had obviously bigger crew and I had larger production, so all of this was gonna cost money. How was I gonna get the biggest bang for my buck beyond hiring the people that I hired to you know to help put on the show and costumes always worked <laughs> yeah definitely hey Todd tell us a little bit about you had such great graphics going on on the video screen uh, during certain parts like during tick 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 and flamingo and mm -hmm. dogfight giggle of course uh, were those your ideas, or where'd that come from, too? Um, well, there were three principal sources. Well, there were four, actually, if you count the nights when we had actual um, video camera or video feed from cameras around the stage, as in the Akron shows and the Stanford show and the um, Park West shows, uh, since they were being 
simulcast to the web, we had a, a feed from around the stage, so we could always cut to that. Um, in Minneapolis and in Bethesda, we didn't have that, so essentially the screen was black when that happened. But otherwise, there would be there was uh, some sort of graphic things, and a lot of those I actually kind of um, stole out of a, a demo folder for this uh, program that Apple makes called Quartz Composer. And you know, for the gearheads in the audience, what it, it essentially does is it puts a front end on the OpenGL hardware that um, is in almost all computers nowadays. And so you can, using this very simple kind of graphical language, design these effects which you can um, turn into screensavers and things like that, but which I just simply printed out to video and used for um, background effects. Then there was the... Um, I did most of all of that, or assembled most all of that, except for um, Flamingo, which was done by Doug Powell, who's the guy who authored my uh, website. Oh, okay. And um, essentially, it was the first time he had ever had any experience with this. So, um, and then I had Ed Vigdor help me with the um, Dogfight Giggle video. He collected most all of that video and put it into an initial form for me to then tweak. And it was hysterical, i got to admit. It was funny. Well, you know, fortunately, we live in an age where um, where people make that kind of noise. <laughs> that was always a problematical part of the show to stage, you know, what goes along with that. And at some point I thought, oh, just go to the Humane Society and take every dog they got and release them all into the theater. <laughs> but uh, that, of course, was impractical. And uh, there is no music to go with it, so there was nothing for the band to do. I kind of like had no choice but to come up with something that was just purely video. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. It worked well. It, it, it. I heard people just, just laughing their heads off. I mean, especially uh, what was it, Rumsfeld trying to demonstrate the uh, how to roll a joint. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure that he did that himself. <laughs> I think he had help, but. Uh, um, yeah, it, and there was, you know, probably more stuff that, that could have been fit in there as well. That the uh, the rhetoric nowadays is so heated, and the um, foolishness that people are willing to display nowadays is so hysterical that the thing practically makes itself. <laughs> it was, yep, it was good, perfect. Uh, you got a lot of good mix, a lot of good people there, and the talking heads, as they call them. All right, Todd, I think we've uh, knocked out some of our questions. you mind if we take a few callers? No problem. Uh, excellent, excellent. All right, so we've had somebody holding on from, from before the show even started. Area code 386, you're with us. 386. you got to keep your <laughs> Here we go. Hello. All right, we got to tell them. Okay, if you're going to call in, you have to mute your computer because it's delayed. So if you have your computer on, you will be confused. So mute your computer if you call in and want to talk to Mr. Rungren. All right, so we're going to go with 816. You're with us. Howdy. Hey. Am I on? Hello. Hello. Sorry. I um, uh, just wanted to say, I loved how theatrical the show was. It was almost like, you know, someone had done, like, Mamma Mia or that uh, show with about Billy Joel that Twyla Tharp did. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it was almost, you know, almost like like someone had gone back and said, "All right, we're going to present Todd Rundgren as on Broadway, you know, as Broadway musical on stage." Well, yeah, but for the fact that it's only an hour, you know, there's yeah. a possibility. And we were thinking, you know, it's the perfect um, length for these um, like Broadway showrooms where they don't want you to play forever, you know, <laughs> just to entertain people for an hour, an hour and a half, and then send them back out to the. Um, Send them back out to gamble, and the, uh, a lot of these places have incredible production as well. You know, like if you want to shoot off some confetti or streamers, you know, <laughs> blanket the place. So uh, it would be great, I think, for the show if at some point we could mount it in a location that was actually designed for that sort of um, that sort of over-the-top theatrics. That would be wonderful. Hey, we tra- we travel to Vegas again for that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that'd be a good place. And you can go to Caesar's Palace and shop while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Well, thanks again. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming. All right. Thanks for calling in eight one six. We got three eight six back. I think they've got it figured out. I hope. Yep. So three eight six, you with us? Yes, I am. Hey, Doug. Hey, Cruising Mel. Hi. Hi, Keith here from uh, Deltona, Florida. Todd, a uh, longtime fan, 35 years, uh, was in Akron, uh, enjoyed one of the best shows of 75 been to. Todd, I have a quick question for you. Uh, being a fan, going back to that day, me and a lot of my buddies that have been watching you, coming to see you for years from the uh, New York contingent, the tri-state area, do you have any audio or video of shows uh, circa Central Park 74, Carnegie Hall 74, the original Mach 1 Utopia that um, could ever be released audio or visual wise? Well, um, there's always the possibility that something like that exists, but in for the most part, um, a lot of these venues didn't have video installations and um unless you were doing some sort of a special um for t v event i guess because that was back in the seventies if you're talking about central park um, there are uh various examples of audio recordings um many of which can be found on the web i I stumbled across some yesterday that someone pointed pointed me to and may include any of the specific shows you're looking for. But in addition to that, whatever it is that we've managed to find and archive, um, uh, Shoutcast, which is, um, we're partnered with them in in various things, are putting up a site in which you'll be able to access all of the archive audio and video once it finally gets organized so yeah well i, so I process have, is actually you know ongoing and we're and we're trying to bring as much as we can find to everybody so uh yeah th- there is there is a great recording that i've uh gotten from somebody from the uh october 74 radio city music hall show mm-hmm. that is considering the uh simplicity of recording technique back then uh for a if you call it a bootleg recording, mm-hmm. uh, a- absolutely a phenomenal sound. You know, well, that's, that's cool, and and I um, I think that's great for the fans. I often find myself in the position of going back and listening to, to you know really old shows and cringing a little <laughs> <over> <laughs> some of the things that uh, you know if 
uh, if I'd known they were recording, I would have been uh, maybe a little more careful. I don't know. But um, I see the historical in- interest in this, and I've always been you know, a promoter of live music anyway, as as where most musicians will ultimately wind up anyway. It's, making, it's presenting their music live. So, um, yeah, we've uh, anything. You know, the presumption is that anything that's out there, I can use as much as anybody else. So it's just we're in the process of trying to get it all organized. And if we find anything that's really good, we're going to, you know, make sure that that gets included. Awesome. Hey, Keith, shoot me an email at roundgrunradioearthlink.net. I, I know the guy at Shout Factory, and I'll let him know that you have that. Maybe they can add that to the collection because sounds like a great. CD that may not be available for everybody. All right, caller 612, you're with us. Yeah, hi, uh, Todd. This is Scott from Minneapolis. Thank you hi, so Scott. much for picking Minneapolis on this tour date. It's, I've, I've seen you in concert 35 years, and this has got to be one of the best, you know. Great uh, venue, too. Really, yeah, really yeah. Place. Uh, yeah. God, it was fabulous. Thank you for coming to town. I kind of want to turn the tables on you. Um, I read an interview with you a couple weeks ago, and you said that uh, you saw Bob Marley's first USA concert. And I wonder, uh, what are some of your favorite concerts that you've ever seen? And if you've ever seen Hendrix or the Beatles or the Who or just some of well, your I favorite have, shows? I have seen the Who on many occasions. And, mm-hmm. um, and as a matter of fact, the first time that I saw them live was also the first time I saw Cream live. And one of the best shows that I ever saw it was a Murray the K um, show in the Paramount Theater, I think in Brooklyn or you know somewhere in the New York area. And everyone would play like two or three songs. And the bill included not only the Who and Cream, there was Mitch Ryder and Wilson Pickett and just like incredible variety of other uh, artists, the Blues Project, <laughs> uh, the Blues Magoos. Everyone had blues in their name in those days, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really incredible show, and yeah, some of my favorite shows are from way back then when things were kind of more intimate, when the Cream, uh, uh, they did that show, and then they did some, you know, played some gigs around, and then they played a couple of nights at the um, at a place called the Cafe Agogo, which was a small underground club in New York, and I was, you know, night after night, I was like, six feet from Eric Clapton's amplifier, <laughs> and I can't understand why I can hear anything to this day. But um, that was incredible. You could, you know, your your heroes, you could be just, like, close enough to just touch them. And, of course, things just got a lot bigger after that. And uh, So some of my favorite shows are in small places, aren't the really big ones. Did you ever see Hendrix? I passed him at a, at, in... I was on my way out of a club in New York called uh, Steve Paul's The Scene, where everybody would go to jam. And mm-hmm. I I was on my way out somewhere to do something or other, and he was on his way in. So I probably should have stuck around. I would have gotten to see him jam a little bit, but I must have had something really important to do <laughs> at the time. <laughs> awesome. Very nice. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Deal. I remember the Sales Brothers telling us about those days at the scene, and they were having a drink with Hendrix. They claim one day. All right, very good. We got nine four one with us. You're on there. Hi, Todd. How are you? Pretty good. How you doing? Nine four one. That's Florida. That's Florida, by the way. My zombie army. 
Hi, this is Vicki, and um, I went to Akron. It was an awesome show. And um, I have been, there's a group of us that are like diehard Hall & Oates Todd fans. Mm-hmm. And um, a bunch of us, you know, went to the Akron show. And um, actually, you, your music brought me to Hall & Oates because I listened to you first, like in about 72 when you put out something, anything. Oh, and okay, then, that's unusual. And, <laughs> yeah, it is. And then, I mean, I knew they had, like, She's Gone or one of the hits on the radio, but it wasn't until really I, I, I saw them um, that they were on the Back to the Bars album and, and kind of connected it and got involved with listening to Hall & Oates also. Cool. And not really from War Babies either. I, I know a lot of people connect it with War Babies, but I never did until, like, much later. Uh-huh. But... Um, I thought the Wizards show was awesome, regardless of, you know, any flaws that you thought it had. I thought it was, it, it was perfect with the flaws, whatever they were. You know what I mean? <laughs> Warts and all, as we say. It, it, it was great. Just seeing it that first night was awesome. And a bunch of us are coming to the Spectrum to see, you know, the Hall & Oates Todd fans to see you guys together at the Spectrum. And I was curious as to, like, what you're doing. As far as what you're playing, are you doing arena stuff, or are you going to do... This is essentially our last week of arena dates, which we're okay. kind of left over from before A Wizard of True Star. Um, you know, Wizard of True Star was only supposed to be one night originally, and then more nights got added, so it became more something that looked like a tour, but originally it wasn't a tour, and I had to continue to tour in order to, you know pay the bills and such, so there was already a tour being booked around, you know, or in a time period that wouldn't conflict with um, with the Wizard presentation. So um, that was always going to happen, but it was also known to us that it's probably the last of the arena shows that we'll be doing for the foreseeable future, and that, you know, something else is going to happen. Exactly what? I don't know. Okay. Now, two other quick questions. One is, would you consider doing another album kind of thing like you did with Wizard, like, say, with Initiation or something like that? Would you consider doing something like that? Well, it's worth considering, but, of course, you don't want to do um, something that's, you know, too similar. After all, I got lucky with this, and I don't want to press my luck, you know, trying to do the same thing. And everything said, well, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as a Wizard. So, well, you I, know, you know, I haven't, I haven't even moved on to that yet. You know, I'm well, still, I still have to do this show some more times. We're taking it to Europe, and there's always the possibility that um, that some promoters will decide after the, you know, enthusiastic response that we got from this, you know, from the seven shows that we've done, that they'll um, that they'll want to promote it in some other part of the country. So well, you know, that's that's you know uh, in some ways uh, more likely than more arena dates happening than the ones that are uh, happening in October. Well, some of these artists like Steely Dan is you know doing like a bunch of different albums and different. Yeah, but all they all they do is play the record. <laughs> That's easy enough. But right, right. obviously this you know this isn't you know. Uh, that's not what I'm interested in doing. I'm interested in, you know, reimagining the records and not just simply recreating them on stage. Well, I think it would be awesome to see, like, a lot of 
the stuff that I grew up with. I mean, not just The Wizard, obviously Something Anything or one of those albums are probably just too big for you to probably do in a show like that, I would guess, because they're well, so... Well, let's know. say we're going we're gonna to see how this thing plays out, you know, and if it does well enough in the long run. The, you know, with obviously doing something this size, there's a whole lot of um, energy and resources that have to be invested up front that you don't have to do the next time that you want to, um, that we would maybe want to do an AWOT show. I don't have to have risers built again. You know, I don't have to uh, have a week, full week's worth of rehearsal with everybody and plus two days of dress rehearsal again. You know, that's that makes everything a little easier um for uh you know for doing it again in the future but it's starting on a new show well then you know it's back to square one you have to make that initial investment first in the learning process and and the uh you know the production of the show which uh, you know as much as everyone likes this show if i do a different record they're going to expect a different kind of production and so that requires a whole new investment again um, so, yeah, it's something they consider in the abstract, but you don't get kind of like too giddy about it. <laughs> yeah, there's lots it's, of people still need to see this A-Watch show. That's that's for sure if they missed it. All right, so we yeah, got callers. Yeah, you know, and most most people didn't, you know, I I kind of kept it pretty much perm- purposefully under wraps because I wanted it to be uh, at least something of a surprise for the people who came to see it. <clears throat> but, you know, I think everyone was expecting less than what they got, and so that that's my problem, is that uh, <laughs> I did more than people expected, and now people are going to expect more than that. Uh, you say so. you set the bar too high on that one. <laughs> exactly. I don't think anybody expected yeah, you to come out in an uh, astronaut space suit for the first song, but it was awesome. No doubt about that it. That was the best to... costume investment I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, area code 570, you're with us. Hey, Todd, Jim from Scranton. How you doing, man? Hi, Jim. How's it going? Great. Hey, the Awad show was amazing in Akron. Um, it's, it's amazing that you uh, acted upon some uh, fan input. My question is, uh, did it take you 40 years to listen to us, or did it take 40 years for us to come up with a good idea? Uh, well, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of intervening time in 40 years, but it, as I say, it was never my idea to do this record. It was... Um, you know, the idea, I think, first started in, in England and then, like swine flu, spread to uh, <laughs> spread across the planet, you know. But, you know, it wasn't until um, Rundgren Radio actually crunched the numbers and came up with a practical offer. I mean, this is how these things normally work. You know, somebody has to enable you as an artist Um and I don't have the sort of corporate sponsorship that you too does. You know, things have to make sense on paper right off the bat. You know, we got no, you know, we've got no no cell phone company who's going to, just going to underwrite the cost of putting on the show. So, um, so it requires, you know, that the, that all the numbers be right, that um, that the personnel be available. It's you know, it's very complicated. It's not uh, not at all simple, and so it's not the kind of thing that you just get drunk one night, you know, and say, okay, we're going to put on a show tomorrow, <laughs> you know, it takes a whole lot of, um, 
a whole lot of input from a whole lot of people and a whole lot of, you know, kind of, uh, and there's an element of gambling in it as well. You know? Absolutely. But as a long-term fan, thanks for the gift of the show. And uh, I think uh, most fans would like to see you build on the momentum. And it was great to hear you not to refer, as the opening says, the Utopia reunion, because most of us would really love to see a Utopia reunion. Um, I'll just leave it there. Thanks again. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. And I'll just leave it there as well. <laughs> All right. We'll just leave it sitting there in the middle of the table. Let it marinate for a while. Yeah. All right, Cruiser Mail, the enabler. Let's talk to uh, area code 562 right quick. Uh, is that me? Yep. Ah, 562 is a big area code. Hi, Todd. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Uh, this is Chuck from Whittier. And uh, I don't know what I could add as far as the A-Watch shows. I watched it on pay-per-view. I shelled out my hard-earned 20 bucks and had a great time. And my question is, oh, yeah, no problem. My question is, um, actually, no one's actually asked this question yet, but Patronet, have you actually, like, quit on that, or is it on the back burner? Because you worked awfully hard on it. I'd hate to see you just give it up. Well, I'd I have for you to I underwrite your music. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be you know it'd be great if um, you know if all these big computer companies would stop like rewriting their operating systems, you know, just at the time I'm about to go public. <laughs> but, um, you know, the last time I was about to do that, we had this thing called Vista happen, and that you know everything stopped working, and you know not just for me, for really serious software companies, you know, had to. Uh, had to you know pay a whole lot of overtime to compensate for it and and I you know I enjoy doing the work sometimes you know sometimes it's frustrating you know the programming and designing and all of that stuff but uh, I haven't got you know a lot of business spending more time on that than I am on music I still you know I have to remind myself every once in a while that. Um, there has to be, you know, if I ever got Patronet working, the only product I have is music. <laughs> if I haven't made any of it because I've been too busy farting around with Patronet, well, I haven't got my priorities straight. And at some point, you know, I'll figure out how, and things will have stabilized, you know, to the point that I may figure out how to do it and what would also make it unique in a world where everybody's blogging and tweeting and and that sort of stuff. Uh, in some ways, you know, because it had the open chat thing, it was a social networking site like a lot of these other places have become. But I've become a little bit um, suspicious of the concept in some ways because of, well, what we learned early on, but what becomes essentially um, – Oh, a problem of epi- epidemic proportions, <laughs> another epidemic. Uh, and that's, you know, people behaving in a way they wouldn't behave in person. You know, they say things and imply things and sometimes do things that through through the enabling technology of the Internet that gives you the creeps sometimes, <laughs> And uh, that's something I'm trying to figure out how to deal with. You know, if you don't have a strong sense of, you know, uh, of purpose or ethos or something about, you know, the spaces that you create and allow people to just run crazy in them, 
um, in a way it's kind of irresponsible. So I've been trying to figure out a way to deal with those issues as well, you know, ways that um, ways that people can socialize without ultimately leading to, you know, conflict and hurt feelings and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's hard hard because so many people are anonymous. They can say whatever they want, and then there's no that's no the part of the problem is you know yeah. they assume some nickname. You don't know who they are. They could even assume your name and start saying shit in your name. You know, which has happened to me. Yep. So uh, and some people are gullible enough to believe it, or or innocent enough to believe it, and uh, and uh, sometimes you wind up. Um, in the middle of something that you had nothing to do with, so yeah, have thinking some, about it. Yeah, something registered where people you have their information. So if you, and their nickname is, you know, you can trace them back. That probably would be one thing, but it is. Yeah, well, it's, you know, to become you know the cop of your own state yeah. is one thing. You know, <laughs> too much work. A degree, to, degree to which you don't want to do that. There's a degree yeah. to which you know you hope people will understand the kind of vibe you're trying to create, and they'll police each other. You know, and and ideally not respond, you know, to somebody who's determined to be a jerk-off. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we've got area code yep. 585. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, we've been through this. That's a whole other conversation. Included, of course. Right. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard not to respond sometimes. I'm, I'm sure when you had somebody, you know, using your name, it's it's difficult to just, you know. Uh, yeah, it's very frustrating. And yeah. the thing is, you um, you know, the problem with uh, the mistaken identity online is that people, it's hard to prove you are you. Mm-hmm. Too easy to, for somebody to, to pretend to be you and too hard for you to prove that it actually is you. People would have to somehow, you would have you would have to be yourself more. You know, you would have to um, I suppose say things or use idioms that people would say. Only he would say that. <laughs> Only Todd would say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are those things? Tell me, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing. We uh, Cruiser Mail and I get a lot of emails from people that think we're you, so we could mess with you, but we don't. We let them know. Okay. <laughs> we let them know. Uh, not the right person. We're just doing a radio show. All right. Speaking of, we got a caller from five eight five. Hi, hey Todd. This is uh, Tom from Albion, New York. And how are you uh, doing? First, <laughs> I'm doing great. Great to talk to you. Um, first of all, the A Watch show was just phenomenal. I, my voice is probably still a little bit you from sucking in all the, the fog I was standing in the pit right <laughs> on the first night. Uh, I got to sit back and let my neck rest on the second night, but uh, yeah, the shows were just phenomenal, and I'm still just uh, very excited uh, about uh, even looking at it again on the internet. Um, really looking forward to having you come out to Rochester. I know you haven't been here for a lot of years, but you've been here a lot recently, and that's uh, saving on the travel budget, so I thank you for that. Um, question, just a quick one, and when in the afternoon uh, of the show, the little appetizer, as Kazan Salton called it, he uh, spoke glowingly of his relationship with you. And, and, and certainly, I think as a fan and, and other fans can see that you two really have just an incredible musical relationship. There's a, a certain energy when the two of you are on stage together, whether or not Kazan is, is playing bass. And I, I saw that with the arena shows that you know, when when Kaz came on board, not to not to pick on poor Matt Bolton, but it just took on a whole new uh, energy, and, and I just love seeing you guys on stage together. And I wonder if you could just talk about how that uh, relationship has, has evolved, and 
you know, what chasm means to you. Well, it's funny when chasm um, auditioned for the band um, way back in the early '70s. There was another guy that I actually um, had thought was going to be the bass player that I sort of preferred, and but I thought chasm was just kind of he's like a baby man. <laughs> it's like it's like having a baby in the band, and. Uh, and yet, you know, he did have the, um, you know, he had the voice and the technique, you know, and the songwriting. Uh, you know, he was still very much inspired by um, by Paul McCartney, and in particular, as well as some other songwriters. And I didn't know that that's the direction, that that was the direction we wanted to go in. So it's funny, I was, like, resistant to Kaz being in the band at first. Um but as time went on, you know, we discovered that we had, you know, a sort of a a blend thing. Um and also that we found it easy in the, you know, utopia context or um to come up with ideas together and you know, eventually we all got sort of comfortable with it. And uh, then there came the day when Kaz thought that Utopia was actually too restrictive on, and he left the band to go uh, uh, work on a solo career. And I recall at the time we were uh, um, we had lined up, you know, yet again another bass player, and Kaz decided he wanted to come back. And um, that was a point at which, you know. We could have made a decision that Kaz had kind of done his um, his time with Utopia and gone with another bass player, but you know, part of it was a, is a musical comfort level, but also you know you become friends after a while, and so we said, well, all right, <laughs> you're not going to quit again, are right? you? Go do your solo career, I hope. <laughs> And ever since then, you know, he's just been there for, you know, all of the projects, Utopia and otherwise. I mean, the the, um, the Bad Out of Hell sessions and the subsequent sessions, and then that started a relationship um, between Meatloaf and Chasm that's gone on until, well, recently, at least. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, that... Uh, Opportunity every once in a while presents itself for Chasm and I to work together, and it hasn't been continuous. Um, there have been periods when, for instance, like Larry Tag was my go-to guy as a bass player, and Chasm was busy with uh, Meatloaf at the time. And even years went by in that respect. But after years went by, you know, we still found uh, that kind of musical comfort level and you know continue to work together sporadically and now for the past couple of years I guess ever since the new cars thing or something we've been um, working together fairly constantly so you know after a while it's not even something you think about anymore you know there you go thank, thank you very much but it is you know as I said I don't know whether Kaz ever you know mentioned the fact that at one point he felt dissatisfied with Utopia and wanted to express his own thing and that was about when his solo album came out and uh, yeah that could have been um, 
could have been just a fond memory. <laughs> it could have changed history, no doubt about it. Yeah. All right, Ty, we we appreciate you hanging on with us. We've got a lot of callers, so we're going to keep going until you get tired of us, if that's all right. Well, we got about another 10 minutes in me, and then it's... Uh... <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so everybody go fast. Lights out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with 561. You're with us. Hi there. Do I have to do my quick oh. Oscar? Acceptance? Here goes oh, the 10 minutes right here. Yeah. I hear that radio voice. <laughs> oh, hi. Mamma mia, I don't know about a that, you know. <laughs> do you remember... Oh, first off, I want to say about uh, people, you know, improving. I'm Todd Rungren. I think the best time and patronette, this is what's happening right now. I mean, we are all patrons. We're doing it still, even mm-hmm. though it's not up. But the best time I ever had with Todd Rungren on patronette is when he pretended to be each, and there were two ages <laughs> going, and he started talking to me, <laughs> and I, I didn't know what part of I think it was a bug in the software. <laughs> it was the com badge, and you changed your name to mine. No, and I asked, what Bardo am I in? Well, of course, I do have the power to be anyone I want. but um, You do. And that's why also, if you'll recall our conversation in Fort Lauderdale, when I said many likened you to their Mozart, and I mentioned that I thought that the wizard, a true star, was your magic flute. And that's exactly what you pulled off for us, a full theatrical explosion of the mind. Whimsical, full-blown theatrical rock opera. It was incredible, a magnificent spectacle. I was in awe, and you spun my head around back to when I first really listened to you in 1973 and said, what the Fuck with that! I need more. <laughs> <laughs> that was heroin. <laughs> ah, DJ, killing me. No yeah. joke. And I gotta tell you, every one of your members in your band, and the ones that stay around you, all have unique personalities, are hysterically funny, and so super multi-talented that they make you shine, baby. Only the best. Only That's the best right. for my fans. That's <laughs> what we expect. And okay. this, Doug and Mel, this particular, you can't call it an interview, chat with Todd, I'm going to put up there on the top number one list of any radio interview he has ever done because it's all natural. Natural. <laughs> natural. <laughs> all right, AJ. Thank you so much. You know you get to talk to Todd all the time. I got some other folks. Can I say one more thing? Sure, thank baby. you, Mrs. Rungren, for the wonderful co- costuming. Yes. And yeah, I really dug you. She, she didn't it, know she'd have to do that actually, but <laughs> it turned out it was else wonderful. <laughs> and I don't know if you meant to be Tweedledum with all the calling of the rabbit and the hare and the the hat men and the Mad Hatter lyrics, but it certainly worked. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much, Todd. This was Thanks, so buddy. wonderful. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, EJ. Thanks for coming out to the shows. We got to see EJ at the first three for sure. Very nice. Okay, so let's go. We got, uh, let's see, it looks like about eight more minutes we were given, so we're going to move. We got to take this call and uh, because this, I believe, is somebody from Akron, so I definitely want to hear from them. 330, you're with us. Come Good evening. On. This is Kip calling. How are you? Hey, Kip. How's it going? Great. Oh, I'm just still 
Tingling from the magical weekend. Okay, I thought it might be the mayor begging us to come back. <laughs> the we mayor's owned called that you. <laughs> we owned that town for three days. <laughs> yep. Brought it back to life. <laughs> well, for three days anyway. <laughs> just just want to express our appreciation. It was a great, great concert and uh, just three magical days. So thank you very much. Well, it was my pleasure. It was great to get back to Akron, too. Yep. Saw you back yep. in 1973, 1974, when you were uh, very just springing around that stage at Akron Civic Theater with the first half of Wizard True Star. And it was still remember to this day. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was when I used to use the tape machine for backup. <laughs> oh, <laughs> couldn't yep. manage to teach anybody else the music. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was a full circle, so thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Kip. Thanks for calling in, too, man, and for all your help that you gave us for the show and everything. And yeah, that, we got a lot of questions about that, Todd, when we first started promoting this. People won't know if you were going to do the multi-track deal. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think the technology is a little, you know, a little advanced since then. Okay, so we got the area code five one two, who has promised to be real fast for me. Mott, what's up? Hey, Todd Lee, how you doing, man? Hey, Mott, how's it going? It's going good. I am still buzzing from this. I don't think I'm ever coming back from Never Never Land. I blame you. <laughs> well, uh, thanks a lot for all your help, Ma, too. It was, uh, um, I don't know if the, uh, all the fans know how many people stepped up at the last minute to sew things and run errands and stuff like that. I'm so. totally honored to do it, my wizard. I just love you. always have. You inspired me to become an artist in the first place, so... This was a big full circle thing for me, and it's just a huge honor. I'm just, I'm beclimped, man. I'm beclimped about it. <laughs> Don't break down on oh, it. Oh, we've beclimped. And uh, if you need any help in Europe, I'm planning on going to Europe. So, holla. I will be happy to do whatever. Well, all right. Um, well, well hopefully we have thrill. our thing together by then. But, uh, <laughs> so well, holler if you need me. All right. We'll holler. see you there then. Holler. Yeah. Before. All right, Mike. Yes. Cool. That'd be great. Well, thanks, man. I really, really loved it. It was a, a big, huge Perfect. spiritual thing for me, and, and I was so honored to be able to introduce my friends to you. They were super stoked. So thank you for all your kindness. Oh, my, my pleasure, as always. Mott was our poster child because she actually, her first Todd gig was in Akron after a wizard came out, wow. believe it or not. A little history there for everybody. All right, area code two, I hope that worked. Area code 267? Hmm. 267. Prisoner number two. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi, Todd. Hi. How you doing? Good. This is Marcia from north of Philadelphia, and I really don't have any questions. I just wanted to thank you for the pleasure of experiencing that entire weekend. It was unbelievable. I still get choked up. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole weekend, too. It was like, oh, it uh, was fabulous, and, and we were kidding everybody about how, you know, Todd's the stimulus package here in Akron. I don't know what they would have done without all those people there. Well, it certainly was, it certainly was a big weekend. <laughs> Probably the biggest was, Labor Day weekend they'd had in decades. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and um, I, I really, I don't have any questions. I just want to tell you it was the most wonderful thing. I'm still reeling from it. I finally got my voice back, but it's an octave lower. It seems <laughs> oh to happen at every show. <laughs> this, is, this is over and two weeks go, now. You know. <laughs> oh. I really just started getting it back. But anyway, um, just want to thank you and London Radio for their part in this. It just was fabulous. 
Well, thanks Thank a lot. You. Hopefully we'll see you at the Wachovia Spectrum, I'm sure. Very nice. All right, so Alrighty, 434, we'll i got that. two of them. Sir, I'm sorry, what's that? I said we'll see. Yes, we will see you yeah. in there. Absolutely. we got two from 434, so I'm going to go with 434760. That's Bill Bricker. Bricker, what's going Bill. on, man? Hey. <laughs> Um, first, I just want to say props to Doug and Mel and Rundgren Radio and the Labor of Love. Um, you guys, I can't say enough good things about you. And big ups, Todd, big ups. Yeah. And, and, the, um, meals af- and the meals afterwards were uh, special uh, as well. <laughs> well, I know, I've heard, I, you know, how many times you guys had to put up with so many things to get this going. Um, and also, just in general, just personally for me, this is a round end of 35 years of following Todd around, and this is the way the shows always were supposed to be, always, so uh-huh. keep going, and for Todd, my question is, because of Rungan Radio and the fan-supported prop up for this, I mean, how could you project into the future how fans might be able to enable you to do this without the promoters? You know, do you think about that, and that's my basic well, question. Well, the promoter is essentially a middleman. But, you know, the, most of the time I have experience, but what the middleman also does is he has to spend the money up front. That's the, you know, that is the reality that uh, Doug and Mel are now <laughs> painfully aware of. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to pay money to the hall to reserve the hall. All artists have agents, and agents won't offer their artists without advances of some kind. And... Um, and the production expenses, a lot of that is up front as well. So it's uh, it's an action, you know, it's a literal financial investment, whether the intent is to make money or not. So this is the reason why, you know, first of all, it's hard to organize this kind of thing. You know, when people realize uh, that whoever it is that takes this on takes on that responsibility becomes. Uh, individually or collectively responsible to a lot of um, a lot of entities, you know, not just simply to the artists, but to all of the other people involved in the production, the local people, the people in the hall, the unions, the, you know, it's just, yeah. it goes on and on and on, you know, and things that you didn't know were there suddenly <laughs> pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Certainly, Doug and Mel have gained a lot of valuable experience and should be chastened before they ever attempt anything like this again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, but, the good know, thing is we had a great fan, great. You have a great fan base. We knew that they would support it. We knew it. Yeah, and I think good that you know m- maybe if somebody else wants to you know take the baton from you and try it somewhere else, you know, I would say it worked out great this time. It's just um, uh, as. Uh, as everyone's now aware, it's just a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of um, anxiety and and things like that. And it's not the same as just buying a ticket and showing up to the gig. You know? No, but it sure it still was very enjoyable, and we're glad we had the opportunity to do it. And Bricker, we appreciate your artwork, man. The, the t-shirts, I love the t-shirt. The one from Akron is just cool. Very nice. Terrific. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And for we the record, great, God, some for the record, we did not help yeah. call. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> What's that? I said there was some great merch in Akron. Yeah. 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 Cruising around, what did you say? Oh, I just said, for the record, we did not ask Bill to call in and say that. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, checks in the mail. All right, we got another caller from 434 with Eric, uh, 434-973. You're with us. 
Hey, Todd. It's Rick from Virginia. How are you doing? Hi, Rick. How's it going? Good. In uh, 1970, I was in college, and a buddy of mine had a kicking eight-track system, the hottest thing of the day, and asked me <laughs> down to the hall to listen to this band that sounded like The Who with the Association on Vocals, and uh, that was, of course, the NAS, so that's how long I've been around. In uh, 1973, I remember picking up my copy of uh, A Wizard of True Star at the record store, very first day it came out, looked at the cover and realized this is not going to be what I expected, uh, <laughs> and uh, took it home and certainly at that point realized the ride wasn't going to be what I thought it was. So I'm kind of calling just to thank you for A. Watts and making our dreams come true, and also to thank you for 40 years of just really challenging music that kept us all on our toes by a long shot. So. Well, only the first 40. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug and Mel, thank hey, you guys. So much. I love going back and doing this old stuff, and I love seeing all the fans and how happy they are to do this stuff. I just, well, you know, it was just I awesome, Todd. I want to get the impression that I'm, that I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome, and it's just great to find out that people you've been listening to for 40 years are just such great people who will do things like that. Everybody I told you were doing that, even if they had never heard of you, were just like, that is really, really cool. So thank you for that. I'll put my bid in to see you do, Todd, if you ever do another one, but you know, I'll take whatever you do. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank Thanks you. a lot. It. And I'll let somebody else get on. And I thank you guys so much. Have a great night. Thanks a lot, man. Nice. Call from Virginia. I, it's a lot of lot of um, steam for the Todd album. That seems to be the one a lot of people talk about. But uh, well, it's you know it was the, uh, the immediate follow up. So there's probably a, a little bit of um, reflected glory there. Um, sure. it, it would be an interesting record to do, but yeah, the presentation would be entirely different in some ways. I, you know, I haven't hadn't thought about it. By then, I was doing a lot more of the recording myself. You know, a lot of it was uh, more drum machines and electronic sounds and things like that. So, uh, relatively, uh, Wizard of True Stars is a more organic record since a lot of it was live music. Um, uh, so I hadn't even, you know. I, I will take. I will make a mental note of that <laughs> until I've done the surround mix from A Wizard of True Star. I'm not even going to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get those uh, overseas shows done. Yeah, hopefully some more in the United States. That'll be wonderful. Are you Are you going to do a surround sound? Well, there's a D, we've you know we've done a DVD of the show, and mm -hmm. most DVDs have uh, surround sound. Good, good. One, as well as stereo. So. Well, we were one, some people are wondering. Um, uh, I guess people that were there at the Stanford show where the DVD was was taped, there were some flub ups. I don't think your fat suit actually inflated all the way uh, or inflated no. <laughs> the fan out of the hole, and there I was never fat. Will you, Will you be able to use any of the footage from the pay per view to mix in? Uh, yeah, we may. You know, we'll. You know, I haven't figured out how to. You know, get all that done. You know, I feel it's important. However, it's done that people get. To see you know the show as it's supposed to be uh -huh. and i was thinking possibility that you know we do have five shows on tape and that with you know some sort of perhaps quad split could run one song and four different shows at the same time hmm. uh, so that you could see exactly what was wrong <laughs> in each one of them which one and, would you hear but though? then mentally meld them together into one perfect show you know yeah. Um, anyway, we haven't, you know, haven't fully figured out how to deal with the, those sorts of flubs. Well, luckily, Chris was involved in all of them. Chris Anderson, so he's got all of it. And that was 
the feedback from those, and I saw a couple, and they're just they're great. They did a real nice job with those. So they're definitely. Um, yeah, from what I heard, that you know, it really had a you know high production value, which apparently these things rarely do. <laughs> so, oh, really? Wow, that's uh, great. That's what you know, that's what I heard. But um, yeah, love everyone it. was kind of stunned with the quality of the picture and sound. Yeah, so. yeah we'd love to see some more of those. Okay, caller from nine four one, you're with us. Hey, Todd. This is Tom from Florida. Um, your memory is Dig Arts in uh, CompuServe. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Now you're going back. Right, and um, that's what I want to kind of bring up with Patronet. Um, you know, CompuServe was about the interactive music and trying to get musicians to share the music back and forth. I'm wondering if there's a possibility we can bring Patronet back with um, the idea of sharing music between all the musicians that you uh, carry in your fan base. Um that's a very interesting idea because when, um, uh, especially back in the CompuServe days, it was um, pretty, uh, computer music recording was pretty rudimentary then. And, you know, most people were still using a commercial studio to do their work in just because that's where they got the sound quality. But nowadays, me and everybody else, you know, we've all, if you have a laptop, you've got a um, You've got a recording um, set up in some senses, maybe a couple of other pieces of hardware, but otherwise, yeah, it's a lot easier, and and the formats have become standardized. So it's something that you could probably consider doing. I think at the time we were also interested uh, in terms of interactive music of the real-time possibilities. And right. I heard about something recently that... Uh, and, and this is, you know, just going back to the very beginning is is um, an area that requires very careful kind of study and evaluation to see whether the results are real or cooked, <laughs> because there's this the, this thing when you start um, utilizing the internet called latency, and that's the same reason why you have to mute your computer when you call in to the show. By the time whatever it is you've played has made it around to all of the other players, uh, a certain amount of delay has built up. So it makes it hard to do it in the way that most people think it would be done, like everyone gets on their computer and they all just start playing. Um, the Internet doesn't work like that. So um, there have been some experiments in reducing the latency down as much as possible, but yeah, what what you're talking about has always been like some sort of holy grail, where you could have like maybe five video streams of five musicians in different places, and they're all playing together in real time, and you're watching. Right. But that's terrifically hard to pull off, and from just from a technological standpoint. Even if let we could get back to that. Let alone a musical standpoint. See, that's the problem. You go to a whole lot of trouble to make it work technically perfect, and everyone stinks when they jam. <laughs> well, even if we could get back to the sharing of the music between your fan base, because there were some very creative people, and we were sharing MIDI files back and forth, and there was some pretty incredible music in your... Uh, well, that's, yeah, that, would, that was, you know, within the constraints of the, of the system at the time, that was probably the best thing... Uh, that could have been accomplished, but that also, as I recall, had problems at the time because there were n there was nothing, there were no standards, and you know, if you sent a MIDI file to someone else and they weren't using a similar 
kind of instrument or synthesizer reproduce the sound, it might sound completely different. Yeah. Um, they had competing standards like General MIDI and X-MIDI and different manufacturers had their own uh, different, you know, kinds of standards. So the uh, the holy grail for me at the time would have would have been for the CompuServe or Patronet or whatever to have a player built in. Right. That would sound the same for everyone, so that whenever they shared files, they would know that the whoever they shared them with was hearing the same thing. Just a bug to put in your ear. But um, you know, <laughs> as far as the Patronet thing is, yeah, I'd love to, at some point to get it organized enough that I could get some help in the areas that you know that I just traditionally have um, problems with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, li- I, yeah, I have a feeling that I'm never going to become a PHP programmer. <laughs> so it's a lot of work, and it, everything changes. Like you said, it's too, it's too much. Yeah, it's, it's hard to keep up with. Yeah. So I got a quick question for you about AWATS. I was uh, I heard a rumor about how you colored your hair, the different colors for the show. Can you tell me how you pulled that off? Well, um, we had a hard time finding what I used to use, and. Um, when I was first, when I would first dye my hair, there wasn't any standard hair product to make your hair funny colors. It was uh, in the very beginning, it was like a carpet dye. Um, that kind of started in England, and and I was uh, spending a lot of time in England because I used to buy all my clothes there. And I went, uh, I saw some people with this kind of like little, kind of feather size wisp color, and I thought that's cool. Maybe I'll get that done. So I went down to the hair salon where they were doing it and they strip out, out a piece of your hair and then they mix up this powdered carpet dye with like boiling water and they build a little tinfoil packet around your hair and pour it in there and bake it with a um, with a hair dryer and then the color might stay in for a week or two. Um, then eventually someone discovered that a better replacement for that was something called Dr. Martin's Concentrated Radiant Watercolor Dyes, which you could buy in a box set, and they were little, like, one-ounce bottles. Uh, you could mix up any colors you want and essentially uh, just paint your head with it and leave it on for a little while and rinse it out. And that stuff would stay in pretty well. You know, you wouldn't have to go through all the trouble of, like, cooking carpet dye into your head, but um, anytime you wanted a touch-up, just get out the, uh, you know, get out the little dye set in the bottles and paint something on. And we couldn't find that exact stuff. We found something that was sort of equivalent. It was called Dr. Martin's India Ink. Uh, it was the closest thing we found. Um, you can get the, the concentrated uh, radiant watercolor dyes by mail order, but we didn't have time to do that. So, uh, so I would have to paint it on like every night just to get the colors bright enough to um, to show up on stage. And now that I've home, I've washed my hair a couple times. There's no color in it at all. Uh, it works best when you like strip your hair out and then do it right then, you know. But the problem is. Um, I've had my hair, you know, stripped out on the top for quite a while now, and it's absorbed a lot of, you know, whatever, and now it doesn't take the color as well. So did Greg just walk by and go, hmm, I want to do that too, or he planned on doing that all along? I don't know whether he was planning to do it, but, you know, he uh, on 
the opening night, I, you know, we brought in all the colors and said, I'm doing anybody else want to try it. Jesse did his little soul patch, which barely showed up at all because it's like about a half an inch of hair. And uh, I don't know who else uh, did any color. I don't think anyone else um, took the leap. But <laughs> well, Greg got it. way into it. Yeah, of course, he's got a lot of work to a lot to work with there too in terms of the <laughs> yes. canvas. Yeah, yeah, good canvas for that kind of thing. Well, all right. Well, I've got. Uh, uh, okay, let's take one more. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and now I gotta go. Yeah, yeah, all right. Very fair enough. Very good. Well, we've got a very enthusiastic new fan who I would love to hear from because I haven't got to talk to her. She hasn't called in the show, but this is Giselle from the New York area, and she would like to say hello. So, Giselle, you're on the line. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Oh, hi, Todd. Hi. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Giselle? I'm good, thanks. Um, I'll keep it short because I know you have to go. But um, I was just wondering. I heard that you were looking for a lot of your um, from some of your costumes from, that you wore in the in the 70s, and I was wondering if anyone was able to get back to you with that, and um, how how did it go with the fitting? I was just wondering. Uh, we did have a. Um a few people respond, and we did find one or two things, um, but uh, part of it problematically um, was that if the stuff wasn't initially made of spandex, <laughs> then I couldn't get into it anymore. <laughs> I'm just not the young slip of a thing I was back in 1973. Um, uh, we did manage to get a couple of things like the... Um, the feathered vest from Midnight Special, we had to do some alterations on that, but we did manage to get that um, working. And we actually sent it back to Nikki for a, a touch-up, but I think he didn't have much time to work on it. He's working on another project. So, um, And then a I, few other things were kind of like hybridized. We had pieces of old costumes and had to add new stuff, like the last thing, the big kind of Ming the Merciless vest that I was wearing in the last song. Um, there was a different outfit that went with that, but that either wasn't located or wouldn't have fit anyway. So we modified up a, uh, uh, some sort of a skirt thing, I guess, a, a whirling dervish yeah. caftan thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to say that I thought the, the Akron and all, actually all the AWOT shows were great. I wasn't able to go to any of them, unfortunately, but I did see the pay-per-views, and, and it just—it almost felt like being there, even though it really wasn't. I was I was still pretty perturbed that I couldn't go, but um, but they were they were all great, and you you looked amazing, you sounded amazing, the band sounded amazing. It was just it was just a great a great occasion, and really thank you for doing it, especially well, for people like me, because like well, hopefully, I, you know, know, hopefully <laughs> we'll do it again somewhere where you can get. That night off. <laughs> I certainly hope so, yeah. <laughs> because there's nothing like being there with the rest of the fans. That was the thing that made, you know, especially the Akron thing. Oh, so yeah, most definitely. Um, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't simply us, you know, doing the show. It was that it, everybody was in the show at that point. <laughs> you know, people were in costume and, you know, and the expectations were so high. It was... Um, it was giddy. Yes, most definitely. It, really, I, I, it actually kind of permeated through the screen there while I was watching. You could just feel Excellent. like the... Yeah, it was great. It was really great. Excellent. Good. Excellent. All right, Giselle, thanks for calling. Glad you got to see the shows on the webcast. 
and hopefully you can get the DVD in the future. But, Todd, we appreciate your time. You've been very generous with it, and we uh, certainly you exceeded everybody's expectations on the Wizard True Star without question, and hopefully we'll get to see some more of those soon. Or I hope so. We, you know, we went to so much trouble to learn it all. <laughs> Great yeah. if we could do it some more. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, y'all had it, y'all had it down pat. So we're looking. For, yeah, we'll try to definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to look at some of those not until next year after the Europe, maybe for the USA. Or y'all trying to maybe get some sooner? Well, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think that you know that is is a likelihood, but we still got you know a few months left in this year, and especially, you know, people sometimes are willing to go for a premium ticket price around the holidays. So Yeah, what maybe about the, will come up with something. What about the Roger factor though? I know he's you know got his full Well that's game. you know that's still an open factor but we don't want to limit the uh you know don't want to limit our ability to play simply because Roger can't make the show. We'll have to find a suitable uh replacement if he can't. Yeah. Although we'd you know love to have him uh, sure. continue to but, do you it. know, he's got his thing going and so uh, It'd be, yeah, uh, and we don't have enough work for him to quit <laughs> his job. So. Yep, gotta, he's got to pay the bills, too. All right, exactly. good deal. Well, hey, thanks a lot, man. We really do appreciate you being on Cruise Mail. You want to give some final words there? Well, I just want to send a hug through the phone line. Thank you so much, Todd, for all that you did for us. And uh, it was such a thrill. And I still get all kind of, as Mott said, I still get verklempt thinking about the <laughs> first moments, especially with the the fog coming out from under the curtain and it going up in the dark. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right well, hopefully we'll do it again real soon. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Aloha. All right. Aloha, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Sorry, callers. I know we had a stack of you. Let me tell you something. This thing is lit up like a Christmas tree, speaking of the holidays. I mean, we got a ton of people, and I apologize if we didn't get to you. We did our best. We cut people off. We tried to get them to do short, which we did. We even got EJ and Mott to talk for less than two minutes. <laughs> and Bill Bricker. Yeah. That's but you know what? Some of, those people, some of those people may have called in uh, to talk to Michelle. So yeah. We never... well, God bless those three, too. We love you all. You know we do, EJ, Mott, and Bricker. Uh, everybody... EJ had some great outfits, speaking of. Todd said everybody was dressed up. She was pretty wild. I think she said that rainbow dress was actually done by Prairie. Yeah, and she did, uh, She uh, Mott had the hair going. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ricker did smart work for us. I mean, just, yeah. Oh, the fan thing, I mean, it was interesting hearing Todd talk about that with the Akron show, and not that the other shows were, the other shows were great. You know, we attended several of them, but uh, that first night, the anticipation and everybody, you knew everybody there knew what they were about to get into as far as the music. There was no question. You know, they are here to see this album. They had no idea Newtopia was going to come out. And when they did, I mean, that's just an experience I'll never forget. Everybody went up. Everybody went nuts. And they never sat down. And it's just an unbelievable experience as, as a as a fan. And even some people I had, you know, I took my brother and, and uh, his his. Uh, business partner and they were blown away you know they're not your uh, Todd Stocker and hardcore Todd fans or new fans or old fans they just they came to check it out they're both musicians and they were just blown away well you know what's funny is I saw your business partner friend mm-hmm. he was seated uh, kind of cat a corner to me and I watched him and he was about the only person in that whole place that was that stayed seated the whole time and I was really worried I thought oh no he is not liking this at all <laughs> But it turns out he was just too stunned. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't get up. He was just like, "Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable." 
Yeah, then he ended up joining us for the Bethesda show. Uh-huh. Right in his backyard, yeah. Good stuff. Man, I tell you what, Todd, Todd, when Kip called, thought it was the mayor of Akron inviting us back. <laughs> I heard a rumor that they, they gave him the key to the city. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe that's what he was referring to. Yes, I think he was supposed to. He was scheduled to be there on night number two, I think, but I don't know what yeah. happened. Wow. It was a little insane. It was a little insane. Yep. All right, so we're going to try to get Michelle to call in so we can talk to her, of course. Hope everybody enjoyed the show so far. And I'm going to play this again just because it, it really does. Um, this is not, of course, the live version, but uh, if you were there, you know I'm playing this and you know what it means to you. So we'll be right back. You're listening to com. Everybody, we are quick, fast, in a hurry today. We've already got our second guest, our favorite guest, Michelle Runger. Yeah, right. What's up? <laughs> favorite <laughs> guest, right? Who's <laughs> oh, the most? Well, it's a toss-up. You and Chasm, I think. Y'all, y'all hold the record. <laughs> hey, I was. I listened to the whole thing. He sounded uh, pr- pretty relaxed. I think he's. I think he. You know, everybody kept emailing me and asking me if Todd was as happy as he seemed. And yes, I mean, every night he was. He was so happy, even when things would go wrong. And you know, normally he really speaks up after the end of a show if something goes wrong. But he was just so happy every night that huh, I don't know. It was great. He, he was very, very excited, and yeah, met his expectations and more. And he was—I keep saying it—he was really happy. <laughs> well, I, well, I kept wanting to ask him the typical fan question. I just couldn't bring it, but I'm going to ask you. Uh, <laughs> Did he feel the energy coming off of the the audience? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could feel it behind the curtains. It was powerful. It was powerful. You know, I I poked my head out of the curtain. There was kind of a little space on the side of the stage to look the first night because I was so busy. I had just barely enough time to pee. So I poked my head out when when the lights went up for Newtopia. And just hearing the crowd, I burst out crying. It, it was I'm, I'm getting verklempt just thinking about it. <laughs> it was really I know, cool. I did a lot of crying last week or whenever it was, a lot. And it was good crying, though. Yeah. Happy crying. Yeah. Thank so you guys show, for, for uh, making that happen. Thank you for helping out with it and doing it. You guys, it's just amazing, the whole story. It's all cool and well and fun. Were you happy with it? Um, no, we were. How about you? You know, I didn't. Oh wait, I gotta mute my thing. Sorry. Uh, I, know, I, did a lot of- <laughs> I was. Um, I I didn't have time to like it because I couldn't see it. I you know, I'd I'd have to say my experience was much much different than than you guys's because I didn't get a chance to see it. I was working my buns off night and day from the moment he said, um, "Can we get some fabric and make some costumes?" Like what? <laughs> what? Like, uh, as he said, you know, I didn't know I was going to be doing that. I thought I was just going to be out there sitting in the audience looking fabulous and um, and enjoying the show. And 
it turned out different. So I'd have to say this is probably one of the most stressful times in my life. But I'm I'm glad I could be part of making something groovy happen. I could, like I said, I could feel the energy, and I knew he was happy. Yeah, you got to make your martini and watch the webcast. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I think I do want to watch the webcast. It's really good, and you can see all the different costumes and see how good you did. Cool. That was great. I mean, <laughs> well, the costumes are still not done. I mean, I from I got about four hours of sleep a night while. Uh, you know, for about ten days, and they're and was literally sewing every minute right up until he went on, and they're still not done, because he. I think that was one of the last things he thought about. I mean, he thought about them, but he just didn't get anybody to execute them until the last minute. And I want to thank um, Deb Christian for jumping in and sewing night and day with me, and mm. and also Mott jumped in and Lynn. Mary Lou Lynn and the, yeah, right? and Lynn and Mary Lou and. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was literally he would come off after the first show and like oh and or I think it was about six hours before the first show like oh, I need some Velcro down the front of every one of my shirts and on the cuffs like oh you do <laughs> oh <laughs> any leprechauns in your back pocket <laughs> <laughs> it should have been a Project Runway show I know it should yeah we really should have done the reality thing yep. I think one of the cameras got a shot of us doing. Uh, the first three changes on the first night, and um, that'll be very interesting. Hmm. So, because that was, I mean, the guy after the third one, he dropped his camera. And he goes, "How did you guys do that?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. I have no idea." No idea. Made it quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, oh. uh, I, I almost wanted to erase all those pictures of me for those two weeks because, because I only had those four hours of sleep a night. My face is all puffed up. My eyelids almost shut. I was looking at it, going, "Oh boy, well, that's probably how I'm going to look." That's how I'm going to look when I'm 80. So I guess I better get used to it. We love it, right? I've got a question. I I don't remember where it was, but maybe Stanford or something. You said, "Oh no, we lost the Elvis pants last night. I need to find some more Elvis pants." How did you go about finding Elvis pants? I found them under. That was the night that we had a union dresser, and she helped me put stuff away. I think it was. Who knows? But anyway, it got put underneath another pair of pants, so I did find them. Oh, okay. What was, yeah. Why did you guys switch gears from the silver black outfit to the, the skin-tight S&M well, He had ordered the uh, – yeah, it was an S&M outfit. How did you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, because I showed you a little secret thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he'd ordered that outfit. He wanted it to look kind of like a futuristic superhero, and it didn't come in time. And so the, the the I think it was the day before the show. He said, "Oh, that outfit didn't come in time. I guess I need you to make me something." Oh, <laughs> jeez. So I don't know if everybody noticed, but each night I kind of added something to that silver and black outfit because I kept trying to make it into something groovy. And then finally, the right about the time that all the sequins started to fall off of his crotch, the uh, the new outfit came that he'd ordered. Mm. Which we'll let every <laughs> can we let everybody in on a little secret that I showed you guys? Mm, yeah. that's it. we're not gonna do it. We'll let you do it. <laughs> well, when it came, he you know he said I found this great outfit, but there's only one one problem. And he kind of cater to um, the Castro crowd, which is our San Francisco gay area. The uh, outfit has a zipper from just about the pubic bone all the way down and 
back up the butt so you can open it up for easy access, front or back. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> I know, but I think it's funny. I mean, he wanted me to, like, cover it. I'm like, no way. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, And then I sprayed it all with um, sparkles every night, so it was a little more glitzy. Now everybody's going to be looking for pictures, see if they got his backside for that outfit. Look, look. Well, people love yeah, you might. the outfit. They loved the first one, too, but once he came out in that, I called it a scuba suit. Girls were like, OMG, look at him. It's, Sorry, it's like a scuba suit. It's one of the hardest ones to get on, especially since he's all sweaty. And, oh, my God, that is the hardest. I'm just, I'm literally jumping up in the air and yanking him and pushing him and got my knee against his spine and pushing him. Oh, God. He's like, God, he's back there. I wish the mic was on then because it sounds like we're doing something naughty. <laughs> we're just trying to get the D in costume on him. He could have been in the Salt and Price video, Mel. Yeah. Oh, no. He don't need no television. <laughs> uh, yeah. that outfit. All right. Well, hey, uh, Michelle, if we can, we had some people on hold, and it looks like they're, they're sticking around, so they may have a question for you. And then um, we definitely want to talk about what's going on in Austin, Texas, before we get through. But, okay. Uh, let's just kind of check it out if it's all right with you. I got, I'm trying to stay organized here. Let's see. I was at 414, <laughs> I think. 414, you got something you want to throw into the mix? Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah. Who's this? Harry. <laughs> It's MJ. Hey, MJ. Oh. Hey, hi, MJ. How are you? <laughs> hey, MJ I'm... gave Todd those glasses, everybody, that he's wearing. They look oh, cool. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, since I got to talk to him in Minneapolis, I, I guess he was right, and they did fit him properly. They're just The sweat was coming down when making him come down, but I was still mortified watching the pay-per-view. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't adjust him properly. Um, anyways, I, I I was just gonna say that um, you know Todd had mentioned something about the the you know he was trying to reinvent a Watts and boy <laughs> it was he did a good job reinventing it. After I got done um, in Akron, I went home and I listened to it from beginning to end, and I heard it all over again in a new way, and mm-hmm. it just it just it, I I'm hearing it like for the first time all over again. And it was just amazing to me. Um, I won't go on about that because it was all wonderful. Um, I think I want to know, and a lot of other people want to know, how the heck is Rebop feeling? You know, I I think it was really good for him to come out and see it because they have kind of the typical teenager father thing that it happens every, you know, with... It happens with almost every teenage male and their dad where you're so much alike you have to start breaking away from each other. And so you go through a period where you just, you're just not seeing each other in the best light. That, I think, was a catalyst to kind of throw them together a little bit. And they, uh, I think having me on the crew and having to work for about two and a half hours after the show or two hours after every show helped too because then that just meant Rebop and Todd went went off together and that threw them that threw them back together a bit and i was glad rebop could see him do something big because he hasn't really seen him perform much so i think it gave him a little more respect for what his dad does well it was also fun um we i i noticed randy was also in the audience the first night of akron yeah and randy's (laughs) 
Randy's seen his dad perform from the time he was little, you know, because we were on the mainland, so he could see see it often. And, you know, I always dragged them on stage. But Rebop's been, you know, sort of cloistered in that on that island and hasn't gotten a chance to see Todd do anything real big. So uh, that was the difference there. So Randy's used to it, and Randy's yeah. really proud of his dad. How is Rebop feeling? I know that um, he's not. He was uh, been under the weather. Yeah, he actually had H1N1, um, and but he's feeling great. Yeah, he really, yeah, he really had it. Don't worry, he wasn't contagious when he was there. But uh, he had a mild case, so he got a lot of really really weird drugs, like the the powder that you have to inhale and stuff. It's very strange. But he now he has immunity for a while. Powder that you inhale? Mmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it looks very space age. <laughs> I used to inhale powder in the 80s, but I think it was for something else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I just wanted to say thank you, and it was wonderful seeing you, and the costumes were absolutely awesome, and we all know how much you worked your butt off, and you're oh, just thanks. you're superwoman. Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, MJ. All right. Well, you take care, and best to everybody. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Hello, MJ. Oh, I, I don't know how you guys, you know, you guys type so fast, too, while I was listening to Todd. Well, I'm not right now because I'm talking, but when I was listening to Todd, I was like, God, how can you, you guys multitask like crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed. I don't know if they're multitasking. I think they're chatting and not listening, and they're going to get it from our country. We'll cut that chat off one day. Oh, they're listening because they're sending questions on the chat room. Oh, are they? Okay, yeah. I love yeah. listening to MJ. I like that Chicago accent. Or, well, actually, it's Wisconsin, isn't it? Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. That's for sure. Well, she's, yeah. I oh, I know. I was gonna. Uh, oh, I loved like the keeper um, noticed that I uh, that how many jobs I did, and I was very impressed that someone noticed I was a guitar roadie for ten seconds up there on stage. <laughs> yeah, so, you do that and, often, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And I liked that uh, we should all we should be retards and have a retotterment, a retotterment <laughs> community. That's right. Uh, <laughs> oh, gonna be rock, the rock on the porch. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, somebody a long time ago in the chat room asked, you know, if Todd just wanted to continue doing this and until he got older. And yeah, I mean, he he says that now every time somebody, you know, like an accountant or something, says, "Well, you have to plan for your retirement." It says what retirement? What would I do? This is who I am. This is, I'll, you know, I just want to continue to play. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Music to our ears, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, she was talking about Rebop, and Randy was, uh, I think he may be where the culprit of this. You can see it on the webcast if you watch the first Akron, but he, he had this thing where he likes, uh, he apparently likes attention, which a lot of us <laughs> do, you know, of course, but he would stand up and try to get the attention of people downstairs, you know, and, and like, uh, you know, raise his fist and whatnot, and eventually people were noticing something, and all of a sudden everybody downstairs turns around and looks upstairs, and then all of a sudden everybody starts kind of doing this this cheering for each other type deal. It was really very cool, and they caught it on this webcast. you got to see it. It's oh, cool. very I think, I've heard that Pippi and Randy started that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was it was very nice, though. It was uh, really cool. It was like everybody there knew each other, you know. We were all just waiting. 
It was. It was very cool. I was sitting there. I was talking to somebody. In fact, you can see me clearly in the shot, and I'm sitting there flapping my jaws, and I some, I caught something going on, and I stood up and turned around, and it was like the whole balcony was yelling at the downstairs saying, Get up! Get up! <laughs> it was very that. cool. Yeah, never seen that at a show before. Right, we got another caller. Let's take right quick, and then we're going to start talking about some Austin, Texas as well. I'll say that. Let me make sure I can get this thing working. Uh-oh. Cruiser Mel, can you hit that? Uh, no, I got it. 816, you're with us. Howdy. Sorry hey. about I don't mean to uh, hog everything. I just wanted to ask Michelle a couple of things about how did you have any space to change at the Park West? That stage, oh, that stage is so <laughs> tiny. It's a big triangle, and there's only like a little thin hallway going going basically from right by the men's room onto the stage. How did you yep. do that? Well, I don't think we could have done it there for the first show. It definitely wasn't big enough. But but by then, with a couple of them under our belt, we had we kind of had it down. So I had to go down the hallway, grab uh, a couple costumes, lay them out on a, tab- a little table by the stage, and he would pop out. And we there's just about enough for for two bodies back there. So it was pretty tight. We put it was it was so funny that. Um, we put a little, our own little camera back there the second night, okay. and I think he may use some of that for the DVD. It's so oh. dark; I don't know if you'll see how tiny it is, but oh. yeah, it, it was it was pretty interesting. I've been on that stage, and there's there's no room. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I w- actually, I'd wish they'd done it at the at the Vic, but I guess that just wasn't available. I mean, I know uh, you guys love the Park West, but the Vic would have been better suited for this particular. But show. remember, we don't we don't get to choose. Yeah. I know. It's, it's a long-term relationship with Park West, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, they, they deserved it. You know, they've been doing Todd shows for, I think, 30 years maybe and a lot of New Year's Eve shows. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like Jay Leno and David Letterman. You know, if, yeah. if right, you, brung, they're, you they're dance both, with the guy who brung you. I, th- I thought they're both jam properties now. The Park West sold, and it's it's controlled by jam now. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. that would be good. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, it was just such a – Large theatrical show, and you guys literally had to wedge everything on yep. <laughs> onto the stage. It looked like people were stepping on each other. Yep. Yeah, I know. Hey, well, that's good to know. Then maybe we'll just next time let Mario know that you know we we want to request the other jam facility. Jam production Vic. The I C. Like right? the jam at the Vic. The I C. Where he yeah. did he did uh, individualist at the Vic, and uh, uh, the uh, with a twist. Ah, cool. Was at the was at the Vic, and that was that was wonderful. So it can handle that sort of theatrical Todd experience. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for your very obviously very hard work. <laughs> Thank you. I know I almost if I'd been awake, I probably would have killed him. But then I realized then I realized uh, I'd have too many fans mad at me so <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> just well, knowing i bruised him slightly during all the altercations of costuming was enough oh dear <laughs> i uh i wanted to ask him if uh you knew your way better around an end scene than nicky nichols uh <laughs> well, that was a nice nice one no i have a feeling nicky's lingered a little longer than i did on the end scene. <laughs> all right very nice okay so uh I wonder where where's Miss Pippi tonight. She's gonna I thought she was gonna call in and say hello to us. Well, you know what we're gonna do. What Pip and I want to do is um, October. I think it's seventh or something. That Tuesday night, we both want to come on and and talk a little more about the play. We'll have more to say. But yeah, uh, I in in a short note here, I licensed a book. 
and uh, performed it on Kauai, I wasn't able to change any of the writing, only edit it. And the authors flew out to, to see me do it and then loved it so much that they gave me complete control to rewrite wow. and edit. And, and so I've, I'm doing that now. And that's the play that you'll see in Austin. Um, Pippi is, and I have been going back and forth emailing for over a year, and she's such a good writer. And I knew she was in a show in Dallas, so I just mentioned, hey, you know, I, I, I know you can do this. Let's, uh, let's do it in Austin at the theater you're working at. So she's been my assistant director. She's actually, but anyway, uh, October 7th, if you don't have any book, anybody booked, we'd love to come on and, and talk more about it. The seventh or the sixth? Let's take a quick count. Sixth, whatever Tuesday. that Tuesday night is. Tuesday is the sixth, yeah. Somehow I start remembering Tuesdays now all of a sudden. That'd be perfect. We'll take it. Absolutely. We'd love to have our favorite guest on again. Cool. And I'll actually already be in Austin, so we'll just oh, go really? hang at her hang at her house at the cocktail and call you. That'll be perfect. Now, you know, this is, um, what was I thinking, Bad Boyfriend Stories? I noticed there was a cool little ad that you've moved to Facebook but was on the ToddStore.com site for a little while. But there's still should, information there, right? Yeah, it should still be there. It should, we're going to perform the last two weekends, uh, Thursday through Saturday of October. Yep. And, yes, Doug, we would love to have you there for Halloween, but we know Sherry might have first dibs. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of complicated. We're trying to work yeah. on that, trying to work on that, because I definitely <laughs> want to see it, but I want her to see it as well. And, okay. you know, it's not – don't worry, guys. We're not beating you up. It's not It's not a bashing boys kind of thing. It's pretty. It's pretty fun and funny. See, I'm kind of hoping it is a little bit, so she sees it, she'll say, God, you're not so bad after all. Well, there is that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or there is that. Or I'll be like, you're just like that. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping <laughs> no, no, these are the fringe stories. <laughs> fringe stories. Hyde Park Theater, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and then 29th, 30th, and 31st. They're all at 8 except for Halloween. You got it at 4. These are Central Time, of course. And then yeah. Halloween After Show Party. What's that about? Oh, I just thought since we're having an early early show that we would just you know let whoever has kids that need to trick or treat go, and the rest of us will just stay and party and move it to what is it Sixth Street? Yeah, some kind of yeah. costume deal going on on Sixth Street in Austin. Yeah, that's yeah. gonna be wild. Totally be. wild. <laughs> Crazy fans come to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Ah, <sighs> I've got a costuming question backing up Uh-oh. to the A Watts thing. Sure, Michelle. Whose decision was it to put that band in those gorgeous white tie and tail suits? Uh, that was definitely Todd. They oh, were, really? Yeah, that was Todd. Well, they looked so handsome. I mean, they did, it was didn't they? it was beautiful. <coughs> beautiful. Yeah, yeah they, but I've never seen Jesse dressed like that. <laughs> I know, I know. They weren't. Some of them, and I won't say who, but some of them were not very excited about doing that until they saw everybody else. Look you know, on stage and they're like, whoa, this mm. is cool, yeah. and uh, it, it really was. That was that was really brilliant. Same thing happened with Nearly Human. Everybody was like rolling their eyes, like we have to wear these on stage, but <laughs> but it actually looks pretty good. Uh, quite, a, you know, I flew home to Kauai for the oh, I guess it was about two weeks before AWAT started, and then we Todd and they were going to go see Rex play together, and he, I would just catch him staring out there, and then he would start giggling. And I would know, oh, he's got another idea for the show. <laughs> but, uh, And then he didn't, of course, tell me anything until I think a couple days before the, the show before. about no costumes. He said, and I think I told you guys, my the five words that I can't stand 
hearing what he when he says them. You know what we should do? <laughs> Makes me go, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> but it worked out okay. Oh, so you had your own little white jacket you wore. Right? I had my own. You know what? That what's funny is that we did take a lot of stuff from our house when we, you know, as we were packing and leaving Kauai, and he was gathering up all the costumes, and I didn't know until just before the show that I was going to get to go on stage and sing Just One Victory. Mm-hmm. And so he had that little white tux in all of our stuff. And I think it used to be his years and years and years ago. So, And he just said, you know, and he he really hardly ever says thank you or I'm sorry. He just doesn't think about that, which is not, it's, you know, if that's the worst that my husband does, great. So... That was his way of saying thank you when he just said, hey, I'm going to introduce you at the end. Why don't you come out and sing the last number? Oh, and you can wear this. Like, whoa, he actually thought about that before we left Kauai. So that was the only reason I didn't kill him. He gave me four minutes of stage time. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. I remember that in Chattanooga at that show. He said, she'll do anything to get back on stage. Yep, (laughs) I will. Hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we got to get that on the video. You didn't get to do it in Connecticut, so we were talking about that earlier with Todd. We got to get that on the on the DVD. You know why? It, there's a another story behind that. That was the the night we had um, we had the union dresser who was trying to help, and it's just too hard and too fast, and so things were kind of going wrong. And the as you heard him say, the motor got knocked off of the fat suit, so it didn't mm. inflate. And it's the video, and then at the end. He forgot. He was so, you know, in freaking out over the whole show that he forgot to introduce me. And I'm backstage thinking he was mad at me because I messed up one of the costumes. So it, you can see Chasm go off stage and yell my name, but I didn't come out because I thought for sure he's pissed off at me. And then <laughs> he, he came back. No, he wasn't. He came backstage and his eyes got big. He goes, oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. And I was trying not to cry. I was like, oh, man, my four minutes. I didn't get my four minutes. Oh. <laughs> it didn't sound as good either. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I finally went went back and listened to the record and learned the right part on the last night because I didn't have time to listen to the the record. He likes to throw a lot of stuff at you last minute, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Works out though. It does. I, you and should I do that to wait. him. Make him participate <laughs> in these bad boyfriend deals. And go, Todd. I, I, I need an outfit in two hours. He, he's not as tolerant as I. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wouldn't do it. Huh? Yeah. Uh, well, so you're you had um, you guys did some merch, some AWATS and some other stuff, and it's at ToddStore.com now, which I, I loved uh, some of the stuff, and I, I could tell Danny O'Connor did the peace sign deal. Did yep. he do the green shirt and the yep, hoodie he did, too? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. And uh, what's really cool is we went back to the original manufacturer of the T-shirts way back in the you know early Utopia days because they last so long. I've been seeing you know a bunch of you guys wearing the you know thirty-year-old shirts. Huh. So we went back to that original guy. Cool. And uh, so they should last another forty. We'll be uh, we'll be in our retirement society wearing them. Yeah, everybody be screaming for arena. Boy, yeah, you should do that arena again. <laughs> 
Oh, I would if I, I could sing background if I had teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so did you see any of uh, Jay Blimrose's books yet? Uh, no, oh. I haven't. I haven't had a chance to. I, but the second I got home, I had to turn in some work on the play since we're doing that and also my musical. And so I'm so behind in my own deadlines. So I haven't gotten a chance to like look at the pay-per-view so or much. any of there's yeah. so much. There's pictures everywhere. There's the webcast, you know, all this stuff. But uh, blurb.com uh, forward slash Todd Rungers where you can see Jay's photos. Anybody's interested in there. He's actually got a few, you know, like examples up, and they look really good. I'm looking forward to it. I ordered a few of the books. and That was a good idea. I didn't have to bring my camera the first night. I just soaked it all in. I had a great time watching that first show and not having to worry about that mess. <laughs> so I'm glad he did that. Probably. And Danny O'Connor is going to be doing a book, too. I think probably that will be ready before Christmas. And his is not going to be of the show. His will be kind of a retrospective of all the the years that he's photographed Todd. Plus, he does some really – he's made some really sick, wacky pictures of Todd over the years. Did you see the yeah. one he sent out today? <laughs> he's been doing that for years. So he's he's going to – He's going to throw those in, too. So yeah, that'll... I'll, I'll try to get it out. I'll put it on my Facebook. But there was uh, it's Todd in an astronaut outfit, but it's the old peacock face from the Midnight Special show. It's pretty funny. I got a yeah. quick glimpse of it anyway on my Crackberry. But, um, yeah, that's cool that he's back involved. It looked like uh, I talked to him a little while, and he was um, uh, said he was driving back to California. Did they drive in from Cali? No, no, no. No, he no. Uh... I don't know what I mean. He's going to try to move back to California. Oh, so well, that's where are they he, now? Where do they live now? They're in Michigan. They're in Howell, oh, Michigan, and they're trying to sell their house so they can get okay. get back to California. For some reason, I thought they were in California. He was like, "Yeah, we drove up and brought the merch. We're going back." I'm thinking, "Are you nuts?" <laughs> no, they yeah, they drove from Michigan. Okay. <laughs> Whoa! What was that? Who's that? I don't know. That's weird. It wasn't on my end. I thought it was Doug. Do we still have Todd? No, we got. Uh, Eight one six. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was still on, and I coughed. I'm oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are, did you, did you, you have the N one H one? No. Yeah, H one six. Yeah, get your. Uh, I should have muted. You. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, take care of yourself there. <laughs> <Don't get laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. We've heard enough of that coughing going around. Too much of that for sure. Hey, well, uh, we got a few minutes, so I want definitely want to talk to about a couple more things, but I, I got to say a couple things, or Carrie will kill me. Um, Chasm has a show. This is unannounced till now, I believe. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this Saturday, nine twenty-six. That's September the twenty-sixth at one o'clock, and it is how much cruiser mail? That would be F R E E free. Free can't beat free. Free show at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this Saturday. Chasm solo show. Then he goes on tour with a band, 10-9, Go to chasmsultan.com for more information. And what's cool is this band has um, – I met him down at the uh, Stanford gig. Michelle, I'm assuming yeah. you're probably friends with Mark Alexander. He's going to be with him. He's oh, cool. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, he's going to do piano. He's Meatloaf's uh, keyboardist, I believe. Mike Chiavaro is going to be on bass. I probably said that wrong. Drums, Tad McCulley, there's your band, there's your information. Also, last but not least, on Chasm, the PJs that he wore. Michelle, you missed a good show, by the way. Chasm did a show at 1 o'clock on Sunday in Akron. He wore PJs. They're auctioning them off on eBay. <laughs> so good, put search Chasm's pajamas or Chasm Akron and you'll see them. <laughs> they were pretty cool. It was a great idea. Well, a few of us 
I had the guts. We showed up in our pajamas and robes and stuff. That was the plan. We were supposed to do that. That's good. I know. I wish we hadn't been so busy. We could have joined in the festivities. You guys all looked like you were having such a good time. Yeah, we missed you at the party. We really had a really good party. It's a big party and a lot of people, and we had so much fun. It had been nice, but I know you were sewing. He was was up there. um, I was sewing, and he was up there trying to remember guitar parts, listening to guitar parts on old old Utopia stuff, and then playing them, and then listening and playing them. So, yeah, it would have affected the show if we'd come down and had a fun time. But yeah. I'm glad you guys did. I think you would have, yeah, you would have been down there till probably, you would have missed the show. Yeah. <laughs> probably would have been down there so long. Yeah, it was it was probably a bit much. We had a we had almost 500 people, I think, was all said and done. It was pretty crazy. Oh, you didn't get to see the cake, so i got to send you some pictures. You did send me pictures, oh, and you, cool. sent, you sent up the, the record, too. He thought that was pretty cool. It was very cool. We had it's funny because we found this lady near Akron, and she was turned out she was a fan, so she was all thrilled about doing it, and we couldn't come up with an idea. And finally, uh, I think she came up with that one actually, and it re- looked really good. She did a nice job. Yeah, she did a great job. Good stuff. Yeah, Todd doesn't even eat sweets, but he took a big bite. I, <laughs> I still like the uh, the guitar pick though from Vegas. That was cool. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah, you obviously like the Arena K because it's your Facebook picture, but hey. <laughs> so so what can we expect from you and Pippi uh, on October the 6th? What are y'all going to tell us? Give us a little uh, We're We're just going to make up a whole bunch of stuff up until then. So, oh, yeah? Know, yeah, we're going to do a Selma and Louise and just, you know, wreak havoc, um, uh, you know, around Austin until we can get on the air with you guys so we have stories. Tell us some lies. Make something yeah, up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tease us a little bit about what's going on. That'll be fun, though. That uh, theater, though, I mean, it's it's fairly small, so... I mean, I assume that there could be problems with us getting tickets if we don't hurry up. Or well, that... that's why on the PayPal site, that's why you, you can pick your night. Okay. And because you have to pick your night, if if uh, whether you're outside or in Austin, because it, I think it only seats uh, 99 or something. And mm. so, uh, yep, that's why I put the different different buttons. And we already have had ticket sales, which is very exciting. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, Veggie Girl, Brad Pitt is coming. God, Pippi should not have told you. Oh, the word's out. Which <laughs> night? Which night? And we're, not, you know, Brad. I think Angelie will not let him go if we say which night. Oh, that's true. So we have to keep that. You have to buy all six nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, are you in San Fran? Where are you? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Rebop uh, has he. Enrolled in school here, but he also starts another music school uh, on Monday. So I have some meetings in L.A. this weekend, and it's, LA. you know, it's, I think it's finally, it's my turn now this year. So, or 2010, anyway, is going to be my year to do stuff, and I'll, hopefully I'll have enough notice to go. Uh, I know I'm going to Europe uh, with Todd, but uh, if he does other shows, hopefully I'll have enough notice. But it's a possibility that we might have to eBay my job. Michelle Who wants to be the wardrobe that. mistress? Yeah. <laughs> Bring Nikki back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he can move as fast that fast. No, definitely not. Probably not anymore. It's definitely backstage. It, there's no way you can be calm or careful. It's mm. those costume changes were so quick that. Ah, I I just I hope he uses some of the backstage footage because it's pretty interesting. That would be fun to see. So are you going to bring any dogs with you to Texas? 
Uh, I was thinking about it, but I just I, before I left on this tour, I took them up to Oregon to my brother to John and Claudia's house. So they're up in Oregon with their brothers and sisters. So so I can be dog free for October. So you're you're gonna hit any of these arena shows that are near you in California? I don't think so because uh, I'll be in Austin and I haven't even nice. looked at his schedule. That's right. You're staying on <laughs> yeah. the seventh. Yeah, the first one's October eighteenth, I think. So. Yeah. And All I, right. All right, you guys, thanks a lot, and um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And, again, I just want to thank you and Mel and all the, you know, God, you're right. It does feel like Mozart, all the patrons. It's, I mean, it's so so cool what we can all do and we just band together and, I got a barn, let's put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> One big happy family. All right, so yeah. we'll see you all on October the 6th. And there's, uh, speaking of arena, this is our little promo with you. We had a little arena music, so we'll finish with that. Aloha. Thank you, Michelle. This is you. If you're listening to Rundgren Radio, you're amongst the coolest humans or maybe aliens in the universe. Sorry, I had muted myself. Well, I thought that was going to end the show, but I totally forgot something. And since people will be listening to archive, I'm going to mention it real quick. Okay. Kathy Lee B. is trying to organize a group trip to Europe for the shows. It's C-A-T-H-Y-L-E-E-B at AOL.com, Kathy Lee B. at AOL.com. If you want to go to Europe or you're thinking about it, the more people, you know, you know how group rates work. The more people, the less expensive the trip. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to get a reasonable trip with hotel, flight, and everything. And so... This is based out of Chicago, but if you have enough people, they can do it out of other major places, you know, like New York, Boston, Atlanta. Those are typically the places you can do that. So, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. yeah and I imagine think. that plane flight. Oh my gosh, you'd be exhausted by the time you get there. Duh, you got all those fun friends to hang out with, though. Exactly. So it'd be good. That'd be fun, man. A bunch of people going over there and meeting up with all the UK folks, and some of them, of course, were at Todd Stock. Some of them were in Akron. Some of the folks. Um, you know, we remember uh, Android from Scotland, Ronnie Temple, mm-hmm. you name it. Who yeah. else? Who am I missing? Gene. A uh, lot. There's a lot. Several there, yeah, sure. So we'll give a shout-out to our U.K. friends that were in Akron, Ohio. And uh, I guess that's a wrap, Cruising Mel. Good show tonight. Thanks to all of our callers. I mean, my gosh, we had some fabulous questions and Unfortunately, not everybody got through. We had we were so lit up. I'm surprised the switchboard really didn't die on us tonight. Yeah, this was one of those shows uh, finally with Todd where we didn't have, you know, problems with the uh, <laughs> internet, the stream, blog talk, everything worked out. Yeah. yeah. All right, Cruiser Mel, have a good one. Peace out. See you next week. See you next week, Tuesday, 8:30 Eastern Time. We will have a guest. We're back in guest mode. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi everybody, this is Todd Rundgren and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. You are the friend of the crown, my friend. Thank you so much for your support.